Welcome to the chat. This is the podcast powered by talk. My name is Greg. Thank you for joining me. Hey, we've got a great episode lineup for you. But before we meet our special guest, wait till you hear this. For most of us, there's something about our jobs that we don't like. But if you think that you have a pretty crappy job, get a load of this. Time for news of the weird, wacky, and the wild. Dhaka, the capital city of Bangladesh, has been hit by major floods due to heavy rains and an insufficient storm drainage system. That, combined with 14 million bathroom-using citizens, smells, excuse me, spells big trouble. In fact, employees of the Dhaka City Corporation have been forced into the sewers to relieve the situation, and all without protective clothing or eyewear. The local water supply and sewage authority has been at odds with the city corporation over how to resolve the issue, which has been impacted by extensive road construction as they lay new sewage and drainage lines. In the meantime, it's up to the heroes of the city corporation to flush the system and keep it working as best as possible. Whatever they're getting paid, it's certainly not enough. And that is your weird, wacky, and wild news. My next guest began his illustrious career in 1993 by building virtual worlds for the video game industry, and at every stop along the way, he's acquired the skills and discipline to propel him into a successful career as a fine artist. Drawing influence from his Disney and entertainment pedigree, he developed a hybrid of 3D modeling and traditional oil painting technique dubbed Believable Fantasy. It is my pleasure to welcome to the Chat Podcast Lounge the insanely talented, incredibly energetic, Disney interpretive artist, and part-time duck wrangler, Joel Christopher Payne. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join me. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Greg. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's true. Duck wrangler. I wouldn't have expected that to be added to my, my repertoire of, of talents, but... Uh, yeah, that's true. Well, that makes you a renaissance man for sure, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I was having a conversation with another Disney artist and uh, these ducks just landed right in front of me in my front yard as I was having a conversation. So Daisy and Donald <laughs> followed me from the park and uh, I guess they were attracted to my fairy garden. I have a little pond in the center of it and <laughs> I guess they, they wanted a drink of water, but they didn't, I guess so. they didn't see me sitting underneath the, uh, the, the the balcony in the patio. So <laughs> I, I probably startled him, but uh, it was cute. Well, hey, you've certainly had a busy week. Now, later today, you have an exciting announcement that you're going to share. And without giving away too much, what can you tell us what's happening this afternoon? Well, I'm about to uh, relieve a lot of people of some treasure is, is exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to pillage a few households uh, with, with uh, a, a painting. It's the third in the series. It's a New Orleans series. Uh, 
And um, there's three paintings in this series. Um, and, and it was all kind of inspired. I mean, it always goes back to Walt and Walt Disney and, and uh, everything that I do, even if I try to, you know, not do a, a Disney painting, no doubt I'm always influenced by just Walt's life and what he was about. So um, this third painting is called The Pride, and it's, uh, it's connected to what I learned about a very famous pirate called Jean Lafitte. And uh, I took a trip out to uh, New Orleans last year in November because it, it had always been a dream of mine to go and see what, what, what was Walt really uh, inspired by when it comes to New Orleans. Because New Orleans and Disneyland is by far one of the most beautiful pieces of that, of that park. It, it's just a, it's a spectacular uh, replica of the actual New Orleans. And I, I, I always wanted to see how... How similar was it? You know, am I going to go to New Orleans and, and feel disappointed because, you know, the Disneyland version is so nice and perfect and clean and I was going to see something that was all falling apart. But no, I, I was I was it was even more spectacular than I'd ever imagined. I, I got there and it, the very first night, I, the hotel that I was staying in had a little courtyard and I, I walked out in the middle of the night, looked around and it really felt like I was sitting in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Uh, and um, they have, if you go into New Orleans Square, uh, there's these poles that have uh, Romeo spikes on them that Walt had noticed that little detail and added them to his, his own interpretation of, of New Orleans. So when I went to, I, I took a lot of ghost tours and pirate tours, and I took every tour I could, uh, you know, to soak up the history of, of the real New Orleans. And, Sure enough, there were the Ro Romeo spikes uh, on the buildings, and uh, it's just a, it's just an amazing, beautiful place. So when I came back from that trip, just seeing the Garden District with all of those amazing mansions, uh, and uh, just you know uh, the, the Mississippi River and the and the river boats that are there, and and you know I saw pirates. Got you know people dressed up as really authentic looking pirates. I mean these people went all in. These are these are not cosplayers. These are these are people that live the pirate lifestyle, running around yeah. New Orleans <laughs> in full detail, in full detail garb that looked so authentic. It was almost like I was watching the ghost of a pirate running around the town. Wow. It was just so mind blowing and so inspiring that when I came back home. I, I just couldn't help but paint a series connected to that and that place and, and all of the history that was there. And um, so uh, the very first painting that I did, which was of the uh, Shipley Light Decker House, which is the original house that, that uh, was uh, built in Maryland, was ultimately demolished, uh, which Ken Anderson saw in the archives of Disneyland and saw that. Uh, that photo, because um, there aren't a lot of photos of that place. They, I think they just archived it because the uh, photographer thought, oh, this is some really beautiful ironwork, wrought ironwork. We need to take pictures of this. But uh, then it was ultimately demolished. So I, I wanted to kind of pay homage to the original history of the structure that inspired uh, Walt and, 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 and the Imagineers to build what would ultimately become the mansion. So if you look at my Shipley Lightdecker house painting, um, it has the original top 
from the from the original house on it. Uh, it's a square top, and um, and and plus, I just you know, I, just being in the garden district and seeing so many houses that were nearly identical to that house, it just made sense uh, to to put it in kind of a swamp like territory, and uh, mm-hmm. and then you know, I took all of the um, historic figures, the ghosts of New Orleans, and put them inside that painting with uh, with the the voodoo queen and and uh, and Satchmo and uh, and uh, and of course Jean Lafitte and uh, La La Rie, all of these amazing real live historic figures. The Axeman's hidden in there, um, and you just kind of see a history of what makes New Orleans so special in in that in that one painting. And then the second painting in the series, because I'm such a massive a fan of of Mark Twain, grew up reading. Uh, you know, Huckleberry Finn, uh, you know, I just love riverboats. Uh, of course, growing up in, in California, just riding the Mark Twain is just such a treat. And, you know, you, you get a good sense of, you know, if you look at Disneyland, you're really falling in love with what Walt was in love with, you know, because absolutely all those, the a majority of the park isn't really connected to a, an IP, a movie that Disney developed. They were all kind of just things that Walt was interested in, you know? Uh, yeah. So, you know, you got the, you've got the Jungle Cruise and you've got his, his, his love of, of, uh, of animals and, 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 and probably influenced by, you know, the African Queen and uh, Mark Twain. And obviously he wanted to replicate and, and, and New Orleans, because I, I think he really wanted to live in New Orleans, but was stuck in California. So <laughs> he says, oh, I'll just build it and turn it into part of the park. And, and that's exactly that's where I can live, you know? <laughs> yeah. And that's how much he loved it. So this final painting about this amazing guy, Jean Lafitte, uh, most people don't know his historic value to our country. Uh, he was a part of the War of 1812. And uh, I mean, he was almost like a living... Uh, a real life Jack Sparrow and the way his life oh, feeds. Oh yeah, let me let me read to you a little excerpt from something that he had written to the governor um, after his brother Pierre had been put into jail. He wrote this letter to the governor saying, "I am the stray sheep, wishing to return to the sheepfold. If you were thoroughly acquainted with the natures of my offenses." I should appear to you must, much less guilty and still worthy to discharge the duties of a good citizen. Well, <laughs> it sounds very Jack Sparrow, right? But Absolutely. It's funny because two days after sending that note, within two days of Lafitte's note, Pierre escaped from jail. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, and then, you know, he was, he was all, his entire armada was captured uh, by uh, by the Americans, you know, and 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 there were eight ships in his armada that were captured, and in lieu of being, you know, uh, put in prison forever for piracy, um, he realized that that, and, and and so did Andrew Jackson realized that New Orleans was really not in a good position to defend itself against the the British that were going to come and and wipe them out. So, right. um, Lafitte offered his armada to defend New Orleans and um, in lieu of being pardoned, that he, he would have the slate wiped clean. 
And, uh, and so Andrew Jackson did that and, uh, all conv- he convinced all of his men to fight for this, this endeavor because he knew the waters so well. So yeah, he, he, uh, he did that. And it's a part of our American history that you don't really hear about that a pirate actually had some hand in the security of, of our country. But after all of that happened and, and the war was over, he went right back to pirating. <laughs> <laughs> and pillaging and sacking towns and burning them and capturing Spanish ships. I mean, he would capture a lot of Spanish ships and, and there, no one would live. No one would survive. And <laughs> so oh, gosh. very much a real life Jack Sparrow, you know. And so I, I had to do uh, – I've always been fascinated with pirates, always. And the very first experience I have with pirates is, of course, Pirates of the Caribbean. I was five years old writing the look and I, I looked over at my mom and I said mom the pirates they look so real and then she, she told me very quickly she's like oh sweetheart those are the waiters you're looking at the blue bayou restaurant here <laughs> that's a good and, story <laughs> and you would think that would destroy my uh, my uh, sense of uh, suspension of disbelief would be ruined but no it inspired me because I realized wow Disney has done such a good job I can't tell the difference between fantasy or reality here right and uh, it compelled me to want to be an artist that did that same thing when you when you look at my art you know it's believable fantasy it's fantasy that you want to believe in and you want it so that five-year-old experience has carried on in all of the art that i do and um so i of course you know i can't i can't go without mentioning goonies uh which is a massive uh influence my favorite movie of all time it's the top of my list primarily because you know, I was a kid at that. Yeah. At, it was the same age as those kids in that movie. Yeah. And what kid wouldn't want to live that life, right? What what kid wouldn't want that exactly. to happen? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the pride had had to happen. I had to do, especially with the 50th anniversary of Pirates and, and Pirates of the Caribbean, the final movie coming out. I'm, I just wanted to get in there and do a pirate painting because it's, it's so much in my blood and in my, in, in my uh, history. Well, you had shared a sneak peek of the piece with me, and I appreciate you doing that. And folks, when you see this, you are going to lose your minds. It is so beautiful. So you are going to unveil it later today, how and when. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upload the, the uh, YouTube vid- or, sorry, the uh, video to... Um, my Facebook account, and I'm going to make it public so everybody uh, that isn't in my insiders group can, can have access to it. So you'll see it uh, there. But right after uh, posting it, I'm going to go into a live video feed and talk about my experiences in New Orleans, much like I am now, and 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 kind of talk about all the details in the painting and what they mean to me. And uh, so it, it's going to be a fun time. We're going to have a good a good day. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm sure everybody else is too. Fantastic. Yeah, I nearly went blind doing this painting. I'm not kidding. Uh, it took me six months to paint. Wow. Uh, and my, I, I kept on forgetting to blink. And I had to get the optometrist <laughs> who said, you know, I think you're going to need some uh, some drops. You, you, you are, are you staring a lot at something? And I said, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. I got like a, a crick in my neck and my body. I was in pain, physical pain, uh, painting this painting. But, it, you know, that's that's how intensely... I focus on these things and I have a lot of people that want me to do painting demos on online. Yeah. And I can't, I can't, it's hard for me to do primarily because I'm so focused on what I'm doing. I'm so intensely thinking about every brushstroke that I, I, I can't like paint and talk 
<laughs> at the same time and give a good uh, easy um, explanation of what I'm doing. So uh, it would be a it would be a demo that would be mostly silence and you. You know, and I don't know how entertaining that would be. I'm sure people would love to watch me paint, but but you know, right. in terms of a tutorial, that just I'm gonna have to figure out how to walk and talk at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's very difficult. I'm so focused. You know? Yeah, I don't know how some of these artists pull that off. I, you know, it becomes second nature for some people. Yeah, to do that, but for me, I, I, I'm just so intensely focused on what I'm doing that I, I put all of my mind is focused on that. It's not. It's mm -hmm. not. It, I. Those are distractions to me to have to talk or, or look somewhere else, you know, just, uh, yeah. so I, I, that's how, that's how focused I am on my artwork, I guess. Well, earlier this week, you released your Beauty and the Beast painting, Let's Dance. Can we get an update on the artist proofs? Are there any still available? And while we're talking about it, can you tell us about the incredibly unique embellishments that you're adding to each one of the proofs? Absolutely. So the Beauty and the Beast movie holds a special place in my heart. When I was uh, in college, uh, Glenn Keane himself and some of the team of animators came to my school and debuted uh, Beauty and the Beast in, in various stages of finished. So we got to see like pencil tests and then we got some, oh, wow. some scenes were completely done. Others were half done. And so we got to see the process behind the scenes on one of the most iconic movies in, in, in Disney history. I think it was the first one to, to have that breakout moment in, in the Oscars, you know, where it just dominated. So when I saw that film, I, I'm like, wow, I gotta, I gotta do something with Disney. This is pulling me to want to learn how this works. And so right. I did one painting uh, before of Beauty and the Beast with, uh, with the castle in the background, the workshop and, and Belle in her holding the book with the blue dress. And, uh, but I wanted to, do another painting with her in in the spectacular dress, and I couldn't think of any other scene that just encapsulates the most the best scene, which is that staircase scene where it just it's the beginning of their love, and um, so them coming down the staircase was important. Plus, I have a little hidden. Uh, there was a couple frames that the animators put in there uh, of her dress turns into a heart, you know. So I've got that. Oh, really? Yeah, I've got that little subtle detail in there. And of course, I put a heart of magic around the whole thing. And um, so, what what do I put in the AP? There's only it's amazing. This in one day, all of the artist crews have uh, are gone, with the exception of two. Um, I've got a very small insiders group, so not everybody got to see them. So it's kind of a lottery. If you spotted it, you, you bought it. So yeah. Um, so what did I? What do I do in my artist crews that kind of sets me apart from from what the other artists are doing out there? So. Generally speaking, artist proof is where they embellish. You know, some people put a few dabs of paint on there. Some will heavily embellish. Um, so I, I do at least that much. I heavily embellish the painting. It takes me about an hour to do that. Uh, but in this one, I wanted to go so much further for everybody. So I, I put 24 karat gold paint into this, into the cap wow. candelabras. Yeah, I have gold dust that's in the magic. And I, because, because the live action movie, which absolutely blew my mind when I, I thought for sure, I'm like, oh boy, they're going to ruin, uh, you know, this, this classic, you know, yeah. but no, they took it so much further and it was such a triumph and, and I was so happy that everything about it was so amazing. And, and Swarovski had, had, had been a participant in helping fund that film and that's why they had the Swarovski dome that goes over the rows. And, uh, I got to go to a premiere and the, they had the the giant uh, Swarovski crystal curtains. So 
it just wow. made sense for me to put Sorsky crystals in the proofs. So I hand place each Sorsky crystal into it, into the magic that goes around the heart. So that little detail is in there. Uh, but the best part is with all of my artist proofs, uh, when you turn the lights off, they illuminate. So I, I use a, a an illuminescent paint that I, I manufacture myself. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, well, uh, if you use just regular glow paint, it's not going to work out. So I, I had to get the, the actual um, ingredients, mix it myself so that I can make it archival. And I, I mix it in with a gesso so that it becomes permanent and it, it's very vibrant. And um, so I hand embellish um you know, the glow, the magic, and sometimes secrets are revealed when you turn the lights off that you wouldn't see. So there's a few hidden Mickeys I place in there, of course. You got to do that. <laughs> Very cool. And, uh, yeah, so it's fun. So it kind of gives a double whammy to to my artwork where people will beeline to it and say, wow, this is cool. And then, you know, the collectors can have another opportunity where they say, you like that? Watch this. And then you flick off the lights and bam, you know, it just comes alive. And, and that's that's kind of how I've get, I've gained my fan base that through through moments like that and word of mouth, people seeing that. Absolutely beautiful. Yeah. If you weren't busy enough, you've been developing a project that's just out of this world. Please introduce us to the Friendlians. Ah, yes, the Friendlians. Well, well, you know, Walt's really built Mr. Joel Payne in, in so many different ways. I can't I can't even describe. And and so, I just had a lucky stroke. Uh, it was like a Wozniak meets Steve Jobs type moment uh, where I met a man who, uh, aside from being a, a genius, is is a is just a wonderful human being. Uh, Rod Nakamoto, uh, he created the very first sound card, sophisticated sound card for Apple called the Mockingbird, and he had this technology, and he had a, he had a couple pedestrian ideas using it i think you've seen the movie tom cruise movie where the posters were marketing directly to you minority report yes and yeah he was inspired by that movie and thought wow you know i could i could take these little uh, units that are about the size of a stick of gum and i can place them down the aisle of a grocery store uh, aisle and literally pump out content so that the products are literally marketing marketing themselves to you and uh, he wanted to use this uh, for, for toys. And I said, do you realize what you have in your possession? <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, it was like that kind of Steve Jobs moment where I'm like, I see lots of opportunities <laughs> of how we could, we could take this and exploit the heck out of it. So uh, what Rod and I are doing is literally, uh, well, I should say the Friendly Project is mine. And, and I'm using, Rod has ha handed me the technology to me and, and letting me run with it. So it's basically... And, and I think this will shock a lot of your, your listeners. What if I told you that I can have millions of toys talking to each other at CD quality sound with the capacity of controlling robotics? Toy Story for real. We don't hope to do it. We've done it. Wow. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about a Tiki Tiki Room-like show with a new show every hour indefinitely. Wouldn't that, wow. wouldn't that be cool? Absolutely. So this technology has the capacity to interact with movies, television, games, and even Disney attractions in real time. As if they're like, if you're watching a show, it can be your co-pilot commenting on the show, maybe even being a, another character in that show. Wow. Um, which is just extraordinary stuff. I mean, we're really blurring the line between fantasy and reality, right? Yeah. So... That, that moment I had when, when I was a child at five, 
I'm literally again picking up where Disney left off on audiomatronics and trying to to replicate that in my own living room wherever you are. So the cool thing is we've got this this amazing content delivery system. So what do you do with the most powerful content delivery system ever to hit the planet for children? And and by the way, should, should I mention it's affordable technology? Mm-hmm. This is something that any household could afford. It's not going to be hundreds of dollars. I came up with the concept called Friendlyans. I'm a single father with, with uh, three little kids that I have to take care of. They're all uh, – my son's eight and I've got two five-year-olds. So it's, it's, it's a challenge yeah. getting through the day, trying to run multiple things uh, while I, I'm parenting alone without any help. So I looked out in the world and I thought, where is the product that's going to back up my play as a parent that's going to help me – encourage my children to be good human beings in the world. So the Friendly Project uh, is really about using this technology to teach children family values and life lessons using evidence-based research without any religious or hidden political agendas. And, and I think that's really a, a key thing to mention because, you know, when you're talking about family values and, and life lessons, you're, you're going to have a lot of people thinking that there's a hidden agenda in there. And, and truly, it's about getting people to work together in peaceable ways, despite our differences. And I think that's, that's a really important thing, especially mm-hmm. with, with kids, getting them to be less narcissistic, uh, combating bullying, getting kids to be honest and loving people. Just really trying to get kids to be good citizens in the world. And hey, maybe this technology might be the very technology that inspires children to, to do what we were hoping the Tomorrowland movie, movie would have been, which is that we could see what Walt's vision of the future, that futuristic city could be. Maybe I'm, I could use this technology to inspire children to go after their, their dreams and, and build a world that we can all feel proud of. So, and that's the objective. I'm coming out with a, a cartoon series. I built a little Netflix-like app that allows me to distribute my own cartoon series. And so it's, it's so weird because I'm like, unintentionally, I'm reliving Walt's life in the weirdest way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm voicing these characters just like Walt did. And it's, it's yeah. truly out of budgetary uh, limitations. I, I, you know, I can't pay uh, voice talents. But I, you know, I've done voiceover work for the video game industry for many years. And uh, I'm animating these things myself despite not being a very good animator. Just like Walt. He wasn't very good at it. But uh, I'm knocking these things out. And I'm writing yeah. them, directing them scoring the music for them, uh, although we do have a really amazing uh, composer that's working with me uh, that's an industry professional that helped uh, score the last X-Men film. We've got uh, the guy that designed the uh, characters with me, Gavin Dell. He's a former uh, Disney uh, concept artist. In fact, I think he's doing storyboards for Disney right now still. Oh, wow. And uh, and then you know, I've got uh, some advisors in my company that advise me. Uh, Nolan Bushnell, he started a small company called Atari and discovered Steve Jobs. And then, I think uh, I've heard of those folks, yes. Yes, and then uh, uh, Roland Hansen, he, he named a piece of software called Windows and, and branded Microsoft. <laughs> so I, I've got some really smart wow. guys that are, that are giving me good information on how to go about doing this. And uh, so we hope to make this a lifestyle brand not just a bunch of products that we're putting out there and making money off of. Uh, the, the goal is really to help people. And we yeah. hope that this is more of a, of a mission uh, of goodwill to, to everybody yeah. out there than, than it just being about the money um, and, and selling people stuff. Because I think we get so caught up in 
things that are disposable and uh, everything is disposable that we buy these days, including our relationships. So mm-hmm. the way that I'm designing the project is even the packaging that the toy comes in is not disposable. You don't throw it out. So the, the packaging can immediately become, it's a little canister that, that the thing comes in, a little can, mm-hmm. the plush comes in. And right when you get it, you don't want to throw it out because you can turn it into a bank. It's got a top with a little slit in it. And then we're, we partnered with an augmented reality company. And when you hold your phone up to it, it turns the, the canister into a virtual fish tank where oh, wow. these alien fish will talk to you. <laughs> and you can take care oh, of wow. them without killing an actual fish. It teaches you how to take care of a virtual pet. Fantastic. And uh, so it's stuff like that. You know, we want to we want to be a responsible uh, company. And um, so that's the way I'm thinking these days. And, you know, once this project launches, I might pull back on the art. I don't know if I have time to do the art so much, but um, this is so important uh, to me. And I think it would be a massive benefit to the world just to have a product like this out there. because There just really isn't anything out there for parents like this. Certainly is a great vision. It's a hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, we wish you the best. Is there any way people can get involved with the project? Well, uh, I do have a GoFundMe page if they want to support it. It's GoFundMe.com uh, slash Friendlians, and that's spelled friend, L-I-E-N-S. And I, I have had quite a few contributors. In fact, uh, I think the vice president of Disney, Lee Cockrell, uh, even uh, even donated some money towards me. And that, that I, I have a tremendous amount of, of respect for Lee. And what he is doing with his current situation, he's writing all these amazing books that inspire people. And so it's, and when you get that kind of support from, from a Disney guy, it, it just goes a long way in making, making you put a, putting a smile on your face. <laughs> that is a great endorsement. Huge, huge for me. I, I, I love yes. him. So, but yeah, if they, if people want to donate, that's fine. And, uh, if you go to friendlyins.club, you'll learn more about it. And, uh, if they want to contact me directly and, and hey, if you know investors out there, we're, we're seeking about a hundred grand to, to, to move things forward. Uh, that would certainly go a long way in, in helping us launch this cartoon series. Um, and, and there truly is nothing like it because we want to have a one stop shop place for positive cartooning for children. Um, so it's, it's kind of like Mr. Rogers on steroids. So a modern take on how do we talk about, how do we talk to kids in positive ways? And, we're going yeah. to have a lot of different companies that are contributing content to that, to that. So we'll basically be our own kind of cartoon network. We also want to kind of combine a, a store in there, too. So it's like Amazon meets Netflix so that you can also buy healthy, responsible products that are connected to those uh, to those cartoons. So any help out there that, uh, that I can get is, is greatly appreciated. Well, it certainly is a wonderful project. Thank you. Well, we're nearly out of time, but before we wrap things up, where can folks purchase some of your artwork? Well, that's pretty simple. It's called uh, wishpictures.com, wish, and then pictures with an S, dot com. You can see my bio on there, kind of see what my career history is about. And uh, I've worked in the video game industry for about 28 years. And movies, television, games help build uh, Disney rides with the Imagineers and uh, it's all on there, and uh, a lot of my artwork is on there, although I have to update it with, uh, with these new releases. But anybody can contact me through there, and I'm incredibly, I respond to everybody. So. I can attest to that. And where else can our listeners reach you? Uh, if you go to Facebook and you just uh, search Joel Christopher Payne, I have a fan site that has about 50,000 fans, but I, I've kind of abandoned it because of uh, Facebook changing you know, to the whole concept of having to pay for every boost. So only 
only 3% of my fan base see anything unless I pay for it. Mm. So instead, if you can find my private account, and, and I've still got a little bit of room in there for fans, to, I, I think I'm at like around 3,000 people, and I think you're going to have 5,000. Correct. But anyway, find that one, and that's the one where you know I can add you in. That's where I, I release everything first uh, to my insiders before anybody else gets to see it. So that's really the <laughs> that's the way I go. <laughs> well, Joel, I want to thank you again for joining me. It's been a lot of fun talking to you and learning more about your work. My pleasure. And friends, thank you for listening in. As always, we appreciate your support. Hey, you can drop us a line at chatpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at the chat pod. And look for us on Facebook at The Chat Podcast. And to be sure that you don't miss a single episode of The Chat, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else podcasts can be found. Look for Joel on Facebook Live later today, 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. On behalf of my special guest, Joel Christopher Payne, that's going to do it for this episode. But be sure to join us next time here in the chat.